Production. Recorded live. Hello, everyone. This is Weldon Johnson for a special edition of Let's Run.com Track Talk. It's opening day, well, the night before opening day, in my mind, for the Diamond League track and field season, which kicks off tomorrow in Doha, Qatar. But before that happens, we have a special, wonderful appetizer tonight, the Hoka 1-1 Middle Distance Classic from California. I'm joined by Jonathan Galt and Let's Run, Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson. Jonathan, Robert, good evening. Good evening, Weldon. Thanks for having us. I feel like my head's going to explode. I've got uh, USATF.TV broadcast on one, one computer. I've got the Let's Run message board on another computer. I'm trying to get the NBA playoffs, Chicago, Cleveland, on my television. Uh, it's going to be a late night. We've got uh, Doha on Friday and then Shanghai early Sunday morning. So it's, it's going to be a hell of a weekend, plus all the NCAA conference action. If you're a track fan, this is certainly probably the weekend of the year for you. Yes, yeah, so we're going to keep the call quick. Quick, We're going to go 30 minutes um, and, and keep it to that. But, you know, I think with the pro season really kicking off tomorrow in fine fashion with the Diamond League, I, you know, I wish the IWF and USATF would do more to promote that, but, you know, we can do our part here tonight. The Diamond League this year is going to be on uh, BN Sports TV, uh, which is a, a different channel, but I've seen some previews this week on BN Sports, and they had a, they called in and had an interview with Sonia Richards-Ross, and so hopefully you guys can watch it on uh, BN Sports. They do La Liga and some other stuff, and they, they seem to cover whatever sports they cover as big events. And in my mind, there's nothing bigger than the Diamond League and, and, and track and field. But first, let's talk about a uh, meet that's definitely not the Diamond League, but for Let's Run.com fans, um, you know, it's, it's almost as special in some ways because it, it's got the American stars, the guys who, you know, some who have been on the Diamond League and had great success and some who want to get on the Diamond League and have success. It's kind of, you know, their opportunity to shine. Um, so we, we, we've got the Hoka 1-1 Distance Classic tonight, and John, what are you most looking forward to tonight? Uh, well, I think I'd like to see how the men's 1500 shakes out because uh, I've said a few times in our articles that so far this year, I think that's going to be one of the most exciting races on the men's side at the U.S. Championships, just because there are so many guys who I could see making that world team. I guess Matt Central is, I would say, is pretty close to the lock, and Leo Manzano has run well, you know. He has a very good track record of making Team USA, but, you know, there's guys like Pat Casey, David Torrance, uh, Will Leah, Robbie Andrews, you know, uh, Jordan McNamara. There's a lot of guys, I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple, Max Lee, you know, a lot of guys in that range who are competing for the team, and many of them are going to be running in, uh, at LC this evening. So I'd like to see, you know, who does well there and who's kind of staking that claim as the, the guy to beat behind Centro. And you guys can uh, watch that once again on USATF.TV. Um, and Robert, the meet, you know, the steeplechase is underway as we're speaking. But um, before the, you know, premier event in some ways, the 1500 has even taken place, we've got a little controversy. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I about 20 minutes ago, I sat down, tried to get everything ready. It takes me a while to get set up. I pulled up the oxy heat sheets. Um, hadn't really looked at them, even though I put them up on the website earlier today. And um, I took I, I took a look at the men's 1500, and I, I'm really excited. You know, when John said what he's most what's he most excited for, um, sort of what I'm most excited for, really, 
both at Oxy with the Hoka Wawan meet and in the Doha meet is I, I, I'm most excited about having my questions answered, sort of the unknowns. I mean, I have a, you know, how, how are some of these super talented people that necessarily haven't, haven't had it together recently, how are they going to do? You know, how is Robbie Andrews? How is Andrew Weeding going to do? Mary Kane, Nick Simmons, those are really the four people I want to see. How do they do at Oxy? And when you go to the Diamond League, you know, sort of, you know, how does Haggis Gabrahiwa going to do? He hasn't, you know, he didn't run great. Some of those 5K guys, Abebe Aragawe, the women's 1500. I mean, she's kind of up and down. So I want to have those question marks answered to me. But the men's 1500 Oxy is certainly one of the big ones. And, uh, you know, I'm friends with Jason Vigilante. I've been talking to him off and on. We often talk, you know, I lead track and field since he coaches at my alma mater, Princeton. I used to coach at Cornell. And, you know, I've, I've talked to him sort of a lot about Robbie Andrews. And he was really pumped for this race. And I looked down and I'm like, you know, and he won. You got Leo Manzano, Pat Casey, David Torrance, Jordan McNamara, Leonard, Andrew Weeding, Max Sleep, Kyle Merber. I mean, it seems like everybody's in Heat 1. Heat 2, you got Robbie Andrews. I mean, not to say no one's in it, but Chris O'Hare, Nate Brandon. It seems like Nate Brandon's always screwed and put in the second heat in this meet. Um, but, you know, then it kind of falls off. Michael Atchew, Joe Stillen. Um, so it just seemed unfair. So I called Vidge up about 20 minutes ago, and I go, what the hell? And he goes, yeah, don't even get me started. He's there. I've been irate for the last 24 hours. Um, but, um, you know, in talking to Vidge, the, the first two heats at Oxy are, are technically the same. They're, they're supposed to be even heats. So what they did was serpentine heating, seating, which is sort of what you find at a conference meet. You know, number one goes into heat one, number two goes into heat two, number three goes into heat two, number four goes into heat one, and so on. So the first two meets, heats are supposed to be even. Um, and, there's, you know, I'm not sure what, criteria they use for PR. They're not using PRs. They're using, I think, recent forms. So maybe this year or maybe last year. I'm not quite sure. But for some reason, for Robbie Andrews, they used his 334 because he hasn't run the 1500 a lot. So that is his PR from 2012, I think. Or was it 335, John? I'm getting, I mean, getting maybe off by a second there. It was, he ran it off the 334. Yeah, so um somehow based on his time you know so you know they're, they're not trying to in their mind usatf's mind and i think uh, jonathan marcus is in charge of sort of putting the heats together they're even they decided not to change anything um and you know uh, vigilante said i hope <laughs> he's a pretty private person i probably shouldn't be saying all of this but anyway um you know he he had calmed down about it a little bit and He's like, you know, I talked to Nick Simmons, and if you guys remember a couple of years ago, Nick won the second heat, or, you know, heat number two. It's, you know, technically the same. Uh, you know, if, if, I was, if I was USATF and trying to make them look the same, I, I would have put section two and made that section one so people wouldn't think that's the second heat. You know what I'm saying? Kind of name it, too, and put it last. Um, but he had calmed down. You know, a couple of years ago, Nick won one heat section two, had the fastest time of the night. Um, so you kind of have to live with what they give you. And also what a lot of people were saying, um, talking to Coach Vidge were, you know, the, a lot of those guys in Heat 1 aren't guys that are known for pushing the pace. I mean, Weeding likes to sit and kick. Manzano, sit and kick. Jordan McNamara, huge sit and kicker. So all the, you know, Kyle Merber, he, you know, when he made that incredible time, he wasn't pushing the pace. So, you know, it was the guys in, in Heat 2 are the ones that like to push the pace more. Chris O'Hare, you know, he's going to go after that standard. So there, there, he, there was thoughts that, you know, hey, maybe the Heat 2 will end up being better. So, you know, I think as a coach, you put so much into it. There's a lot of question marks regarding Andrew. Should he stick to the eight? Should he run the 1500? 
um, you're going to be nervous, you know, you're going to kind of freak out about it, and um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, um, you know, they have tried to make those those even, but if you look at it sort of at face value in terms of name value at least, you know, Section 1 looks a little bit stronger than Section 2. One quick tidbit on Robbie Andrews. So I was at World Relays in Bahamas uh, two weekends ago, and, you know, Andrews anchored the the team to the 4A8 gold, and then – Afterwards, he's very excited. His running's going well again this year, and he seemed very excited. And I said, so does this mean you might do the 800 this year instead of the 18, instead of the 15? And he said, you'll see. I thought he said, you'll see, or we'll see. And then the next day, I was, we stayed at Atlantis, and I was getting a hot dog, and this guy had a shirt on. I said, hey, uh, USA shirt on. I said, oh, are you here for the track meet? And he said, yes. And he said, oh, so am I. He said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, um, I... I run this website, this running website, let'srun.com. And he said, you run it? And I said, well, I actually started it. He goes, you started it? And I'm like, yeah. Next thing you know, this guy's giving me a hug. It's Robbie Andrews' dad. And he was just so upbeat about Robbie and what was happening this year. And he said, just essentially, you know, Robbie's at a better place this year. Um, and ever since then, I'm intrigued to see kind of what he can do at the 15. Because it, it's still a jump to get from where he is to, you know, the, the team at Worlds. But uh, we can't just talk about one event too long. Um, you know, John, any quick thoughts on the 1500 before we move on? Uh, no, I think we covered what I wanted to talk about. What, one thing I was wondering about is, you know, Roy Mappelli and Nick Simmons, just, we haven't really seen him do an 800 uh, for a while. And I think this is the first one he's done since the end of the 2013 season on the outdoor track. So I, I want to see, is he still you know, up there as the very, with the very cream of the crop in the American 800 scene, or is he going to be challenged? Uh, you know, we haven't seen him compete in a high, top level race for a while, this distance. So, you know, what do we get out of him tonight? Yeah, I agree. That, that's where I want to kind of turn to next was the question for me is what does Nick do? I mean, he's a world championship silver medalist from two years, but then he pretty much missed the entire outdoor season last year. He's very good at, you know, marketing himself and doing that stuff and you know he's been on some reality shows but when you haven't raced in a year and a half and now I think he's over the age of 30 and you know it could go kind of two ways for, for Nick this year and I think he loves to prove the, the doubters wrong but his 1500 um, two weeks ago wasn't very good and so you know now I think this eight's a, a big test and but a guy with his talent level and what he's done you know he definitely gets the benefit of the doubt and you got to assume because a couple of years ago, people were kind of questioning him, and he, you know, won nationals, and, and, and then, or he actually didn't win nationals. I think the year he got the silver medal. But he, Nick knows how to put it together. So even a, a bad performance tonight, it doesn't mean he won't be ready for USA's. But he's, you know, Nick's never come off missing a year like last year. So, and he's got also a new uh, coach, new sponsorship. You know, as of all, all that was last year, but he hasn't run well under them. So there's a lot of question marks for Nick. Yeah, I mean, to me, a big thing with Nick is sort of the motivational level, and don't take that in the wrong way. I mean, he ran basically a perfect race, you know, in the Olympics, ran faster than what he thought he could run, 142.95 in 2012, and, you know, didn't get the medal that he, you know, um, dreamed of. I mean, he did come back in 2013, obviously, and get the silver, but... Um, you know, it's weird. The, the talk of the 1500 just seemed weird to me. He's already a medalist at 800, but does he think that, okay, if these guys are on their game, I can't medal at the 8. That's why he tried to go to the 15, but now that's not working out so well. 
But then if you go back to the eight, I mean, I think motivation is a huge thing for these things, guys. You know, look at Solinsky now that he's hurt and, and can't dream of winning, you know, a world title. He's a shadow of his former self. So if Nick doesn't think that he's got a medal, you know, and he's just running eight because that's what he's best at, I don't think he'll be as good as he was in the past. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, I don't know if anyone got a screenshot of the women's 50 bullet is over. Stephanie Garcia got the win. It looked like there were a couple – uh, World Championship qualifiers. Garcia ran 9:37. Um, I can't find a results page on the USATF site, so uh, we'll have to get to that later. But uh, you know, besides the eight, you know, the, the thing that I I think is going to be, you know, what are we going to really be talking about? You know, and could you know a year from now, or two or three years from now, or five years from now? You know, so whether someone runs 146 or 145 or, you know, rather whether, you know, we're not going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about, you know, who's still relevant, who's not. And to me, Mary Kane, I mean, I've been saying this all year. You know, last year she didn't run as fast as she did the year before. Yes, she won, you know, World Junior Gold at 3,000. But, you know, that that's a convenient excuse, you know, if things don't go well this year. I mean, her indoor season was not well. She hasn't opened up well outdoors so far. She's run three, um, you know, two fifteen hundred outdoors. The best is just four fifteen. To me, that's big. We need to see improvement. We need to see something probably under four ten to really make me think that she's going to be. You know, this is someone in Alberta Salazar. What do you say, John? She could run under three fifty five. You know, well that four ten is fifteen seconds off that. So, to me, the story of the night, really long term, is how does Mary Kane do here? If everything looks good and she puts up an encouraging performance, you know, we can write off the slow times indoors. We can write off last year's lack of PRs because she was focused on World Juniors. But if she has another off day to hear, you know, given all the history of the women that have struggled as they've gotten older, you know, at 19, you know, I mean, I guess Jordan has said sort of plateaued for a long while before making big improvements, you know, when she got to her 23, about 23 years of age. But, um, to me, that's the big story women's-wise tonight at Oxy. Yeah, I'd agree. I'm I'm not quite as worried about how long-term future you are. I think you run that fast that young. I think you, you get a, a few years of wiggle room from me. But I, I am concerned about her immediate this season. I think Salazar said that her goal was only to run about 4.10 in this meet, which would certainly be an improvement, but... You know, it's it's going to be tough to make that women's 1500 team, even with the four spots available to the U.S. to the Jane Simpson Diamond League title. And Kane, you know, we got six weeks until USA. She needs to show me something tonight uh, to see. You know, she got second last year, second in 2013 at USA. She needs to show me something if she's going to get second again in 2015. And then, obviously, in the 5000 Diamond, it's a big one for everybody. Um, you know, and there was a great thread on Let's Run, I think, up today. It's like, how does Galen Rupp not have the 5,000 um, time? Because, you know, Galen, when he set that 2644 American 10,000 record, he did run under the IWF standard for 5,000 um, in the second 5,000 of that race. Uh, I think he ran, like, 13, 18 in the second 5,000. So, you know, the, the problem is, you, you first of all, you can't qualify in the middle of a 10,000. Um, but, but, well, actually, maybe the IWF would let you if you had an official split, but um, the real problem was you, you couldn't qualify for the 5,000 with, with a time from last, you know, when was that, May or June. It didn't start until October of this year. So, you know, Rupp had his struggles indoors. Um, 
there's nothing really to doubt about him. Um, remember, he did lose this race last year, and he only ran 13-19, and then about three weeks later ran 26-44. But it'll be exciting fun for all U.S. fans to see Rupp out there for sure. Yeah, I mean, Galen, I'm not too worried about. He's got time to get it ready. I think it'll be interesting to see what Jenny Simpson does because she hasn't raced in a long time, but there's no reason to sort of doubt her preparation you know, either. Um, any final thoughts on the Oxy meet? The men's steeple still going right now as, as we're speaking. Once again, you can watch the Oxy High Performance meet on USATF.tv. That is live, but any final comments on, on tonight's meet, John? No, I think uh, it's time to move on to the Diamond League action. So yeah, yeah a, lot, a, lot, a lot of uh, casual. A lot of I got a text from a female visitor of Let's Run, and yes, they do exist. Uh, she texted me; she was excited to see Kara Goucher run. You know, Kara hasn't raced on the track in a number of years, um, and it was interesting. John put up a poll on our women's preview on Let's Run, but how fast will Kara run? And this is sort of before this article had come out. She said she was hoping to run around 1540, um, and it shows you how smart the um, Let's Run.com audience is because 28% of the people predicted she would run between 1530 and 1539, and then 29% said she'd run between 1540 and 1549. So 57% of the people basically think she's going to run, you know, plus 1540 plus or minus, you know, nine seconds. So, um, it looks like, you know, let's run nation. You guys are doing, guys and gals are pretty smart. You're, you're pretty, you understand the sport. You're right where Kara thinks you should be. Um, so that'll be exciting as well. All right, let's, let's turn to Doha. And that's the reason for the call, because I think the track and field world needs to do a better job of getting excited. It should be, you know, they should be hashtagging opening day tomorrow. And we've got a wonderful meet in Doha, Qatar. And the knock on Mo Farah, you know, multiple-time world champion, double uh, you know, Olympic champion, is that uh, he doesn't race the best in the Diamond League. He ducks the competition outside of championship races. We can't say that last year, this year. You know, he took on the best in the half marathon. He won that in Portugal. And here he is, first meet of the year. He's going to stack 3,000 meters. John, what do you think about the 3K? I'm I'm really excited for this one. He's got unfortunately Caleb and Niku, uh, who was you know the dominant force on the 5,000 last year. Uh, he had to withdraw due to injury. He had uh, I believe knee surgery in the off season, and uh, he doesn't feel that he's quite recovered yet for that. And uh, so he he's going to be waiting a little while. But most of the other relevant players are there. You've got Yenu Alamiru. Uh, you've got Hagos Gebrewet. You've got Isaiah Koech. You've got Thomas Longasiwa, Edwin Soy. A lot of very fast men, and uh, the race in my preview that I was comparing it to was the, uh, the pre-tain Doha four years ago, where uh, Alamiru, I believe, won it in 7.27. There was, uh, there was about four people who broke 7.30, and I think we have the potential to see a very fast time uh, in this race. Last year, if you remember, the, the women's 3K was won in 8.20, which is you know the fastest non-Chinese team time ever outdoors. I think, you know, it does get a bit hot in Doha, but they've shown you can run fast there. And, I, you know, I'm interested to see what strategy. I think Farah is not going to be the one pushing the pace out there behind the rabbit, but it only takes one guy to do that and to get the field stringing along. So I think, you know, seven – I don't think the world record's in any serious jeopardy, but I think 725, only two men have broken it, I believe. And I think Farah, you know, if he runs really well, he's got a shot to do that tomorrow. So, you know, Nduku may be the one who's doing a little ducking this year, I think. It's interesting that 
Farah so early in the season is going to take on the best here. It's, it's just he's been successful doing something completely different than this. So I don't know if he wants to sort of prove the doubters wrong or he, he's you know bored or what the deal is. But it should be great for track and field fans. Uh, on, on the men's side as well, we got we got a tremendous 800. Uh, Astle. Well, what, what, one thing about the 3,000, you know, Jonathan was born in Britain. John, do you think we can uh, kiss the British record? It's 732.79 for Dave Moorcroft. Stood since 1982. I mean, that's pretty much a foregone conclusion, right? Except for maybe the weather forecast. Now, we talked about this a little bit in the preview. Um, the low in Doha tomorrow, last time we checked, is 86 degrees. The high is going to be 104. Now, that sounds outrageous, but they did run incredibly fast last year, and the low in the day was still it was only 79. The high was, nine, was 103. So, you know, that dry heat late at night, 3,000 probably won't make too much of a difference. I mean, I think a 5,000 would be another story. Um, but, John, do you think Mr. Markov's record is, is a goner tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, it's the, as long, the only thing that prevents it is if the race goes slow. I think if you have winning time of 730, you know, Farrah's going to be – I'd be surprised if Farrah lost, but, you know, if, if the race goes quick, Farrah's definitely going 732 fitness in him. And what's the uh, standard in the 3,000, the men's 3,000 for uh, World, John? Just finish well, up and – uh, You know, they run the 5,000 at World. Robert, no, for the steeple, I meant – men's steeple, I'm sorry, oh, I'm talking about Oxy. The race is over. Uh yeah, oh, I'm trying to remember. It's I think I believe it's changed. Eight twenty-eight. So we had three guys under Matt Hughes ran eight twenty-five, Taylor Milne eight twenty-five, and Travis Mahoney, American eight twenty-seven. So three guys get under the standard um, at Oxy. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. So once again, if you're just joining us, we're doing a special opening day for Doha Diamond League tomorrow. Kicks off. Um, but also tonight, the wonderful appetizer from California, the Hoka 1-1 Distance Classic, which is underway. You can watch it live now on USATF.tv. Some great U.S. assistant stars there tonight. And then tomorrow, the Diamond League from Doha, which is at what time is it, Eastern? Yeah. 12 noon. So take off 12. work or take a long lunch break. 12 noon. It'll be broadcast on BN Sports. Uh, if you don't get BN Sports in your cable channel, you can watch it through the Sling app. We'll link up to that on Let'sRun.com as well. Um, so besides the 3K in Doha, there's some other tremendous distance action. I, I think for most Let's Run fans, the 800 and what Aspel Kitzbrock can do there is of most interest. John, Robert, give us your thoughts. Um. Well, you also sorry, we, I, I was reading something. Uh, yeah, 800. I mean, he's talking about the 800, and to me, it, it's exciting. I mean, you've got Asbel Kiprop. I mean, he pulled out of the World Relays, supposedly with a hamstring issue. The more I read about that, the more I think it was like he was trying to stick it out to Athletics Kenya for suspending his agent. Um, you know, a lot of people weren't happy about that. Um, you know, he is such an incredible athlete. He's going to go off against Ayanle Suleiman of Djibouti, 143.63 PB. Suleiman, of course, got, you know, he's won the top 1,500 meters of the world, runners in the world like Kiprop, but he's actually, his only medal outdoors is in the 800 from Worlds two years ago. He is the reigning world indoor champion at 1,500. And then really the man that took over for Radisha, the 2013 world champion, Mo Amon, um, this should be his outdoor season opener. So those are the three biggest names. It's really, you know, quite exciting to see them battle this early. Um, you know, I, Suleiman, we actually had another message board thread up about this. You know, he's one of three men in history 
um, that have run 143 and sub-1320 for 5,000. You won the Arab Championships in 5,000 and 1317. I mean, think about that. Can anyone imagine Nick Simmons running in 1317 just sort of in preseason training? I certainly can't. So um, we know Suleiman's in shape. Kiprop, you know, I don't think he would be going to Doha if he wasn't ready to go. And then Mohamed, you know, I mean, Amos was better than him last year, um, but, you know, he's a pure 800 guy. I, in my mind, Amon's got to have the edge. I mean, I feel like he's the favorite. Um, you know, there's other guys, but, but Kiprop is such a wild card. I, it's hard to discount him too. So yeah. uh, it's going to be fascinating for sure. Look at, well, if you look at Iman's Diamond League record, this guy is just an absolute monster in the Diamond League races. He's run, I think he's run 15 in his career, dating back to the end of uh, 2012, and he's finished first or second in 13 of them. He's won nine of them. So he's won more often than he's finished anywhere else uh, in Diamond League races, in 800s, which is just phenomenal to me. So I think this guy always comes ready to play, I think, and he's the defending world champion indoors now. He's I'm very excited to see what you can do. All right, quickly before we talk about, we'll mention the sprints quickly, but before that, the two women's distance races, I think of the steeple and the, and the uh, women's 15-15, Abiba Aragarle and Sifan Hassan going head-to-head right off the bat. I mean, it's it's pretty tremendous. You know, I think it's kind of one of the, the great things in some ways with some of these stars from other countries. They don't get tons of money and endorsement deals, so they have to race. And so that means, you know, they'll be racing in May in Doha, and they'll be racing in September in Zurich. So it's great for track and field fans, these two squaring off right off the bat. John, who do you like there? Uh, you know, it, it's it's difficult to tell. I, I'm not entirely sure which one you know, is, is fitter at the moment. I think Hassan sort of sees the mantle uh, from from uh, Aragawi last year. She beat her at Europeans. Uh, she ran the world-leading time, 357 flat. And she's also three years younger than uh, Aragawi, so she's got a little bit more room for improvement. So I would lean towards her. There's also uh, DeWitt Sayum, who was the world junior champion last year in the 1500. She won the BAA Invitational Mile uh, a few weeks ago, Boston Marathon weekend. She is uh, very young and very talented, so I think she might actually... I think she's got a chance to make a leap and really get into that Simpson, Aragawi, Hassan tier. But, yeah, I would give Hassan a slight edge in the 1500. It should be a great race. And in the steeple, Emma Coburn is tonight racing in uh, Occidental. But we've got an American in the steeple tomorrow in Doha. And, you know, I think we should applaud the Americans who go overseas and race in Doha because that's what the sports needs. We need the stars racing in, in you know, on the biggest stage. And no offense to Occidental. It's a great meet, and the fans of Western.com are loving it and watching the live stream right now on USATF.tv. But, you know, running before a couple thousand people with an Internet stream, uh, long-term, that's not what the sport needs. Um, but Indeed. Just, by the way, how bad is y'all's Internet feed? I can barely see these runners. It's yep. so pixelated. Yep. I mean, you know, is that my computer, or is y'all's feed pretty bad, too? Yeah. Mine's, mine's pretty mine's pretty bad as well, um, but I, I should plot plot in the uh, steeplechase tomorrow. Um, she started really running well, I th- you know. I think last year really she had some breakthroughs in the steeple. Yep, she was turning her mo- Go ahead. Four or five uh, a few weeks ago, last week I believe in, in uh, Japan. So 
I think she can make a, a nice jump. And the women's steeple is actually a nice event for the U.S. They've got a few women who are starting to contend. I think we could we could put a few people in the final in Beijing uh, at the end of the year. Looks like Trinier Moser won that heat of the 800. So that's kind of a big win for her because she's been so-so so far this year. Yeah, yeah beat uh, Chanel Price, 201, not a great time, but, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, Chanel. I, w- um, I wouldn't want to be a woman's 800-meter right, right now, runner in the U.S. right now. It's just so ridiculously good. I mean, Chanel Price was the world leader a few weeks ago. Now she's fourth in the, you know, there's more heats. How many heats are there of the 800? So it, it, it's kind of crazy. There's like eight really good women competing for three world team spots. Yeah. I think that someone who's um, very good is probably not even going to make the U.S. final later this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so hard to sort of, sort of get in there. Um, I, I don't know. Does anyone know, uh, you know, Aisha Pratt's story? I mean, from Illinois State all the way to this Doha Diamond League. I mean, she was 20th at the NCAA. Well, she didn't even make the final in 2012. I don't know if that was the last year. Um, I mean, she did get second in the indoor mile in 2012 indoors, but she didn't even score in the steeple in 2012. So um, pretty amazing how, how much better she's gotten. Also, yeah, she's, back, she's, uh, she's Will Lee's girlfriend. Interesting. Oh, wow. Now, now believe, it's all coming together. can't believe I didn't know that. So that means only one of them can run well at a time. I think that's how it works. I think that's a rule. Uh, also in Doha, so we got Alice and Felix. We got some of the stars of track and field, especially in the women's side. We have Alice and Felix. Uh, running, and we have Sonia Richards-Ross. BN Sports called in. On, they have a, a show every night that highlights, you know, pretty much it's like their sports center, and they had an interview with Sonia the other day, and she was on that world record DMR team at the World Relays. And, you know, each year with her, it's kind of, can she keep it going this year? She's a year older every year and hoping to kind of stay up there as one of the world's best. Before wrapping up, we said we wouldn't keep it too long. We hope everyone's watching the Hoka 1-1 Distance Classic right now on USATF.TV. But the reason we're having the show is the opening day of the Diamond League tomorrow in Doha, Qatar. But we follow that up on Sunday, right? Sunday morning, yep. yeah. It's kind of Sunday like morning. NFL, it's oh like an opening weekend. you got you got a Thursday night game. you got a Friday, you know, Saturday night game. Here we got Friday and Sunday. Should be exciting. Um, Shanghai, you know, the women's – got a big women's 5K – um, men's steeple, women's 800, but if we're trying to get off this, this show, let's talk about the men's 1500. Silas Kipagat, uh, Komoi of Kenya, the youngster that ran 328 last year, um, and then the American Ben Blankenship. John, break that race down for us real quick. Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned that Blankenship might not be the third best guy in the field, but I think he's the one that the American fans are most interested in. He has, uh, He's had a terrific 2015. He ran a 3.51 anchor split uh, at the World Relays a few weeks ago. So I think he ran 3.75 indoors, and traditionally in the 1500, you could run, you know, a few seconds faster outdoors than you do indoors. So uh, I think, you know, he could really lay down a fast time. 3.33 is now the range of possibility if the race goes well. But I think that I, I don't think he'll seriously challenge the top two guys, which are Quemoy and Chippewa. Quemoy was slated to run anchor the well-realized DMR against Blankenship, but he pulled out for reasons that remain unclear. So I don't know exactly why he didn't run uh, well-realized, but he is an absolute stud, and uh, he's been he ran well in that well-realized trial as well. So I think you know he's something to look for, someone to look for, and then Tiplegar always 
you know, brings that he ran 3.27 last year, which is the fastest time in the world in 2004. So those two, I think, yeah. really are the class of that field. I mean, you know, Clemore's only still 19. He ran 13.16 last week for the win, I think, in Japan. I don't even recognize any of this town. Um, but what woman I mean, ridiculous, 3.28 world junior record. But then, you know, Tippa got – his diamond league record, I think you wrote this in the preview, John, it's just phenomenal. I mean, it's like first or second every single race. Um, you know, hasn't done it really – well, he did get the world silver at Worlds in 2011, but he's sort of, you know, a couple times in the big meets, 2012, 2013, he hasn't been there, hasn't gotten the peak right. Um, you know, there's a few question marks about him. I mean, his indoor season was certainly less than stellar. He was 17th in that Edinburgh cross-country race. The ninth in a 1500, third in a 1500, fourth in a 1500, only ran 338. Um, so, I mean, he's probably just picking up money and not really that focused at that point in the time. I mean, uh, you know, I, I would be shocked if he doesn't run well, but that's sort of one thing to look for. Wow, Jenny Simpson is looking good here in this, um, into this 800 here in the second heat for the women. But, um, you know, last year, I'm trying to figure out, well, he won World Indoors. I mean, I guess Kamoy not running well indoors isn't a big deal. I mean, last year he didn't even make it out of the heats for World Indoors. And then what did he do? He ran pretty he, – he actually opened up in Doha in 329.70. Imagine that, opening up – got to think about how amazing this meet was last year. He ran 329.70. I mean, he hit an unbelievable women's 3,000. And then you run 329.70 and you get smoked. Asbel Kiprop ran 329.18 last year. Silverman ran 336.16. McCluthy 330. I mean, it was – Six guys under 331. I mean, that's why fans have got to be excited about this. You know, if this was the NFL, there would be nonstop on SportsCenter tonight about how exciting this weekend is going to be for everybody. Yeah, it's a tremendous weekend. Ginny Simpson there almost winning the 800, beating Maggie Bessie. I mean, just crazy how good that 800 is. The USATF should have taken a plane and flown a bunch of them to Shanghai because the 800 is is a – is being contested in Shanghai. And I think it's kind of, you know, not a shame, but I think some of these women should should be racing in Shanghai. But Molly Becker with Ludlow will be there, the U.S. The US's best hope in Shanghai. And, she, you know, she's a sub-two runner. And she's got a chance. You know, if you're a sub-two runner opening Diamond League race, you've got a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, and she's in good shape. She split 159.5 at the World Relays on that full by eight. She did that totally alone. So she's in she's in PR shape, I would say. Yeah, so, the one thing that you know John pointed out in our preview was you know with the crackdown on, on doping, particularly in Russia, with the crackdown on the intersect issue, with a couple of runners from Africa, you know it doesn't look like there's going to be people running 155, 156. You know, so if you can get in that 157, 158 range, which is very doable for a top American if everything goes well, um, you know. You're going to be in the hunt at least for a medal, maybe not a gold medal, but um, you know that'll be interesting for sure. And you know the thing about Ludlow that really impresses me is, I mean, she finished you know agonizingly um, fourth in the Olympic trials in 2012, missed all of 2013. You know, I, I'm sure many people were wondering, is this it for her? Is she devastated? You know, I mean, think about you know Morgan Eusen. She hasn't really been able to come back from from, from that type of devastation. But now she's back, really looking better than ever. So testament to her, her PR is 159.12 from 2011. Um, so, you know, she ran 159.30 last year. So she, 
you know, I think a 158 is very much doable for her this year, and, and I think she deserves a lot of credit for that. Agreed. And I think America's arguably best medal chance, and we haven't meant, meant, meant discussed her at all today, and that's A.G. Wilson. What What is she doing? I don't believe she's racing this weekend. I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of interesting because I was, wait, am I missing something here? You know, and there is forty thousand dollars if you win the Diamond League title. So you think, go to go to China. I mean, yeah, go to China. You know, I'm sure she could maybe pick up some appearance. She'll definitely get a free trip to China, and sort of get some Diamond League points. But I think that because she did run, you know, World Relays two weeks ago. But I think the fact that she's skipping Shanghai shows that she has a plan and the focus is on the world championships at the end of the year. And as we all noted, making that U.S. team is going to be very difficult. So if racing in Shanghai does anything to inhibit your chances to get on the starting line for the Worlds in Beijing, you shouldn't do it. So, you know, you can't really fault her for for not racing this weekend. But it it is sort of interesting because I think – She's America's, you know, 10 years out, she's America's best hope for gold medals. I mean, there's just no question right now. Um, I think a couple of years ago you could argue Mary Kane had had just as much potential, but right now, you know, AG's been running well and running better. So that's kind of an interesting sort of wrinkle there. Um, yeah, and if you go to trackandfieldnews.com, they have out their world predictions um, on the website for both the men's and women. women. They didn't predict any gold medals. Um, but the highest they had anybody was AG getting silver. I mean, we're talking middle distance and distance here. AG, they had her getting the silver in the 800 behind Eunice Sum, who's, who's opening up this weekend. They've got Jenny Simpson in the bronze. I didn't, I wasn't thrilled with their picks. I thought some of their picks were a little strange, to say the least. I mean, they have Mo Farrell losing the 5,000 right now. Um, but they do have Evan Jager getting a bronze. So he was actually the only. Well, they had uh, Rupp getting the silver in the 10,000 as well. So they had Rupp at Rupp and Wilson as the highest, um, you know. Oh, Robert, you can't criticize over picking Mo Farah getting upset. I guarantee if you did picks right now, you'd pick the upset just so you'd try to look smart come August. Yeah, I would probably pick it, but I wouldn't have an explanation. I just wouldn't put it in the spreadsheet. If I'm going to pick it, I'm going to do an elaborate explanation and try to make myself look smart. But, uh, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Well, that's a good point. Uh, there was only one thing that jumped out about me. I forgot which one I didn't. Which was most egregious to me? So we got we have the Dark Knight of track and field. That's what I'll call him, uh, Justin Gatlin, arguably the premier 100 meter man. And I'm a huge critic of Justin because I think he he's never sort of faced the press like a man and admitted to what he what he did. And you know that's doping. It's amazing. He served a four year suspension and came back and can run like he has. I mean, there's no one in sport who's ever been away from from their sport for four years and come back like he did and done better than what he's done. But, um, you know, he's coached by a former drug cheat as well, and that's Dennis Mitchell. And we haven't really announced this on Westrun.com, but Dennis Mitchell is now a paid coach by USATF. Uh, Not only is he the World Relays coach, he's in a paid position. So your USATF leadership has decided that, you know, that, that Dennis is the best coach in America to coach our, our team and not only that, that they should be paying him I think it's disgraceful um, I, I might even be willing to give Dennis a, a second chance 
if he also would face the press like a man and sort of admit to what he's done. Um, but you, you can't be rehabilitated until you've there's you know an admission of guilt, and neither one of them have done that. Um, I don't know if you guys have any quick thoughts on that. We're over well, our 30-minute I mean, limit, John, but John I'll let you guys John, pontificate. John and, I were ta- John and I were talking about that on the phone. I mean, John, how many drop sticks or how many messed up relays do they have in the World Relays last week? It was at least two, right? We could have... Oh, yeah. They the US could both pull by twos this year, and uh, I believe they messed up two two of them last year as well. I think it was the men's one that's pulled by one. So in the sprint relays, they're batting 500, which in track and field is not very good. Um, but it should be a fabulous weekend. Uh, so once again, hopefully you got everybody's watching USATF.tv right now, the Hoka 1-1 mid-distance classic. Yeah, um, all the, I do have one parting words before we leave. All the guys that are like 18, maybe you're in high school, 16 to 25, you know, you're, you're living, you're single, you're in college, you probably should appreciate the fact that, that you can watch these meets, you can stay up to like 1 a.m. tonight watching it, you can, you know, it's Friday, you're in college, you're either done with finals, you don't have any, you're between, you know, you don't have anything to do tomorrow, you can just watch it Friday afternoon, um, and then Sunday morning, uh, you, oh, you guys would probably be hungover, maybe not getting up to watch at Shanghai at 7 a.m., but you could if you wanted to, because, uh, you know, <laughs> when I try to talk to my friends like Chris Lear, running with the Buffaloes off there, you know, he, you got a family, you got kids, <laughs> can't watch track. One thing that's hard about being a track fan is it's not a consistent time every week, you know. So people with families and stuff like that, it's not as easy to watch it. But uh, yeah, I'm tr- Me personally, I'm traveling this weekend, and one of the beauties of the Sling TV app is, you know, you can watch BN Sports online. It's got a full DVR, and the also the beauty is Universal Sports is on the app as well. It costs 10 bucks a month. Um, they have a couple other channels. But Universal Sports was an HD, and BN is an HD channel. So it comes in, if you have a Roku device, it's HD. So I'm actually excited, like, on the road, I can fire this up and watch it if I, if I can't watch it live. So, John, you got any parting thoughts before we sign off here? Uh, no, I mean, I think we just covered it. It's, it's a great weekend to be a track and field fan. I'm excited. It's the participants in the Hope One One meets about the sorry, the events are about to heat up. We got the men's eight hundred coming up shortly. You know, it's a pair of great men's races in Doha. And yeah, you've got, you know, a lot of the stars. You got Gatlin, you got Bondarenko and Dashim in the high jump in uh, Shanghai. That's gonna be terrific. So really a lot of exciting stuff this weekend, something for everyone. Merritt versus James in the four hundred, D C B versus uh Shelly and Fraser Price in the hundred in Shanghai, I mean, it's just a fabulous weekend of track and field, and that's what the Diamond League's about. So I would just, you know, maybe we'll do something tomorrow and tweet out like it's opening day. But I, we, the track world needs to celebrate tomorrow, and I think we all yeah. should kind of rally behind well, it. I think being... the, fa- the fans need to do that too. Tell your friends, get your if you're on a college team, half probably 75 percent of them don't follow the pros, but hey, it's lunchtime tomorrow. Turn it on and pick up the laptop, you know, watch it there. Um, you know, it's going to be an exciting week. I know John's pumped, not only for the track, uh, the Patriots. Uh, Tom Brady has been exonerated today, big Patriots fan, John. I don't, I don't, I'm going to make you do all the work this weekend because I'm in such a good mood. That... Exonerated. Um, and so, w- once again, this is Let'sRun.com Track Talk. We thank you guys for joining us. Oh, I see race, Racism, the former Deadspin author, one of my favorites, Let's Run Posters, is uh, listening in. But we hope to be doing these more often, and we'll get the 
audio. I realized I was on speakerphone the entire way, but we're going to get the audio working again so we can get the music and some maybe interviews, that, which we've done on the other ones, but we seriously decided to do this one 30 minutes ago because we're like, wait, if we can't just complain about other people not highlighting opening day. It's opening day of professional track and field, and it's a wonderful day and wonderful weekend. And so enjoy the Hope One meet on USATF.tv, and hopefully you guys will be watching the Diamond League starting off tomorrow, Doha, noon Eastern, and then Shanghai on Sunday morning. So for Let'sRun.com, this is Weldon Johnson signing off. Thank you, guys. All right. I think people can still hear us.